This is Daniela's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm sitting across from Daniela Azrati. I love your name. <laughs> Thank you. I loved it so much. I kept it. <laughs> so you're married, but that's, you know, that's right. Kept your maiden name, right? I did. And I should have taken his because it's so much easier. What's, Stevenson. Okay. Wait, what's his first name? John. John so, Stevenson. I mean, it's okay. like yeah. the easiest. It's and very so basic. whenever we make a reservation, it's always under Stevenson. <laughs> And then sometimes when I book like a hotel, I'll forget and put it under my uh -huh. name. And when like they'll call up yeah. for something, they'll be like, Mr. Israti. And he's like, that's just so weird. <laughs> and I'm like, it's hilarious. So yeah, so we use Stevenson most of the time, but Daniela Israti. Israti. What's, yes. what's your net? What's your background? Greek and French. Okay. So my dad's side is Greek got and it. my mom's side is French. Got it. Got it. So this is so random. Um, listener turned interview E. Yes. Right. So yes. how did you remind me again? How did you find my podcast? So two ways. So yeah. Elizabeth from Ruby board, That's Ruby right. bond. That's which right. Was the formerly ATL, ATL boards. boards. Right. Yeah. So her, the person that helped her rebrand, okay. Emily Shapiro. Yep. Um, when, after she rebranded, it was so beautiful. She posted Emily's, um, link on her Insta and I reached out to Emily and said, oh. Hey, I love what you did with Ruby Bond. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you're taking new people on. And so I met with Emily and fell in love. And she has been the best business decision that I have ever made. That's amazing. She's smart. Yeah. And a self-starter and creative and on the ball and has been wonderful. So she redid all my branding. Okay. And she basically keeps me together with Got like, it. this is what we need to do. These yeah. are the ideas. Yeah. So she told me to listen to the podcast. So I listened to that Aww. one. And then Jess does my hair and yes. has done my hair forever. Jay Gold. Yeah, Jay Gold. <laughs> so she was on and listened to hers. And then I started following you on Instagram yeah. and then saw your solo yeah. podcast and yeah. was just so, I felt just very connected to that and wow. really understood your story yeah. and, um, I was really inspired. Well, thank you. So I listened to that. And then um, I listened to Pietro's. Yeah. Um, yep. I guess two nights ago. Yeah. And I've eaten in all of his restaurants. Yeah. And I thought his story was fascinating. Yes. I would have never known. Like, you know, you see him working in the restaurant. His hands are dirty. I would yeah. have never known the Silver Spoon oh, yeah. kind of story. Oh, yeah. And you did such a great job. It was a beautiful interview that really um, – Gave the depth of him, yeah, which I thought yeah. was important, you know, because you kind of see him, but you don't right. really know that. Right. And I thought he did a beautiful job and he did a really great job. So it Thank was, you. it was great. That means a lot. And that's, you know, that's one of the things where I, I think that's a lesson for life is you see people. Yeah. You see them from the outside, but if we really got to know people and what they went through or what they're going through right now, you, you might have a little skewed, yeah. um, take on yes. them and find that grace and that compassion. And that's really like at the root of this show, mm -hmm. what I want to do is really tell people's stories. Mm -hmm. Right. And, yeah. and let other people be able to relate and be like, oh gosh, I'm going through that. Or I know somebody that went through that. Mm -hmm. And now I understand why that person mm -hmm. is the way that they are. Exactly. And you reached out to me and you're like, Hey, like I'm, you know, I've been following you and I'm really interested and what you have to offer, I kind of have this crazy, crazy story about my personal health mm -hmm. and how it, it really drove you to open up yeah. your own facility. Yeah. So please explain what EIA aesthetics <laughs> is oh. and 
where you're located and how it was founded. So sweet. Yeah. So EIA is Esrati Integrative Aesthetics. And when I first opened, it was Esrati Integrative Aesthetics. And I have to thank Emily for that because Esrati Integrative Aesthetics is really difficult vocabulary and spelling. It's a mouthful. (laughs) And I kind of recognized it the very first time I was setting up accounts Mm. and I was having to spell it even myself. (laughs) And I was like, oh man, this was not great. And so I have to give Emily the full credit on that. She's like, we got to rebrand this to EIA. And it was like, oh, and she was a hundred percent right. So it was the best decision we made. So, um, I've been in medicine for 25 years in Atlanta. I started as a critical care nurse and then, um, I worked in the open heart ICU and then I went to go work for the largest cardiovascular group in the Southeast, um, for them at, at personally at Piedmont and yeah. at St. Joe's and okay. I worked for them and learned so all much, all the things yeah. and all the things, personalities too. There were 16 physicians, surgeons with different personalities. So I was very young and it got my skin very thick, yeah. very fast. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you know, you've never been yelled at until you've been yelled at by a cardiac surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know how they say like, okay, calm down. It's not life and death. You're like, no, 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 no it was. It really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I learned a ton of responsibility. Like I had to be at the hospital at 6am at like 21 years old wow. and you know, you're taking care of people's lives. Right. And so, right. um, Grew up and got thick skin pretty quick and then decided I wanted to go back and get my nurse practitioner degree. So I did that at Emory Okay, and went what is called the acute care nurse practitioner. So that is a very specific um, nurse practitioner degree that you're really trained to take care of very, very ill people in the hospital. So there's family nurse practitioners that you kind of see working at like CVS or in your primary care office. Or or just going for your annual or whatever. Yes, exactly. And they have a very wide range of um, knowledge, things that I don't have any knowledge of. Like, you know, I have to think like if someone has a sinus infection, like, oh, what do I give you? I can save your life and I know how to do all these other really big skills. But like (laughs) sinus infection, I have to like think about for a minute. Like like the day-to-day stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I was privileged enough to go to that program. And at the time, it was not very well known. Acute care nurse practitioner was very niche, um, very few programs in the country. And it was just evolving where um, we actually went into the ICUs and took care of these Mm. critically ill patients. And we were part of a team with physicians, um, pharmacists, and ourselves. And we would take care of all the patients in the ICU. Okay. Um, So, you know, it was an evolving program. And so I got to be in on the very ground floor and now it's pretty much in almost every hospital has an acute care nurse practitioner. They do. They do. Okay. Yeah. It it would be pretty rare. You'd probably be in a rural place that's, you know, really not well staffed. Right. Right. But all of the major hospitals have nurse practitioners, um, at the bedside with acute care. And so we are there to fully take care of the patient. We have our own patients. Um, we do all their procedures. We take care of them from kind of the minute they step in the door until they leave. We're involved with the families and the decisions. And oftentimes they're really, really hard decisions. You know, nobody ends up in an ICU because they're feeling well. Right. And, um, you know, I've always been, very into health. And I was an athlete and a dancer growing up and pretty much a lifelong vegetarian, vegan. Really? Yeah. Um, so I, out of choice or out of, uh, how it made you feel? I think just 
weirdness. Like yeah. I was one of those. Weird to eat an animal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and I, yes, it, for some reason from the smallest, mm-hmm. youngest age, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah. And so it was just something that I just wasn't, didn't dig. And um, I know I probably drove my parents crazy because <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not eating that. And then being a dancer, I definitely struggled with an eating disorder growing yeah, up for yeah. sure. You know, it was it was a different time. Like right. there wasn't the um, there wasn't the self awareness of of you know mm-hmm. the body image was one way and one way only. Mm-hmm. And you know it was very acceptable for your dance teacher to tell you you were overweight mm-hmm. or that you needed to you know look a certain way. Yeah. So I yeah. definitely struggled with an eating disorder for quite some time, which was I think difficult. Um, for everyone in my life yeah. and especially my family. And so that narrowed my food choices in itself yeah. really, really tight. I mean, I would do, you know, back then it was um, all low fat, you yes. know, right? Yes. Snack wells yes. and those type things. It's low fat and yeah. high chemical Exactly. I think yeah. I lived yeah. on snack wells yeah, and yeah. Diet Coke. For sure. And you know, what <laughs> it's um what do you put in the water bottles like the um the low crystal light? Oh the crystal light. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, I was crystal light and vodka was our jam yes, in college. I think I had crystal light running through my veins, <laughs> you know? So um I became very um interested in the food that went in my body mm. and you know, because I narrowed my food choices, a lot of them were just vegetables that right. I would eat without right. dressing, you right. know. But then as I got well and healed from that, which was, you know, a little bit of a journey. Um, but I was lucky that once I got well and healed from that, I never bounced back. I wasn't one of those that was a lifelong issue for me. Mm. Um, but I have always been very conscious of the quality of food that I eat and how I consume it. Yeah. And so for me, being vegetarian and vegan most of the time is really a choice in what I consume and how I feel it does service to me now and right. to my body now. Right. right. And I just don't think I could gnaw on a piece of flesh <laughs> at this point ever in my life. So there was a very, very brief period when I was like 23 and I'd gained a little bit of weight and Atkins had just kind of made oh, yeah. a whole rebrand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I tried really hard to do it, but I just Just couldn't. I failed miserably. And I was like, like, I remember like crying, looking at the steak one night, being like, I just have to eat it. And like, (laughs) (laughs) and being like, why am I doing this to myself? And everyone was doing it, you know, like it was like when that book kind of rebranded and everyone was doing it. So I thought, all right, well. It was just a fail. So um, I'm just – FOMO. Yeah, FOMO. it was totally. So I'm like, this is just me and pasta will just always be a part of my life. Yeah. And that's just the way that it is. Okay. So I don't eat eggs at all. Really? Um, no. Oh, my God. I don't know what I would do with yeah, eggs. Yeah, so no eggs. I will eat butter if it's in things. Right. Um, you know, very little cheese, only if it's on something. Okay. But I don't, like, consume it alone. Yeah. So – that's kind of um, the story around the food. Right. Um, so when I was working in the ICU, I was seeing all these patients that were so ill, and it seemed like there were so many things that could have been prevented mm. before they came in. And right. it became really frustrating over the 25 years, which is a very long time to work in critical care. Most people burn out So you quick. were there from like 23 yeah. to like 40 plus? I was there from um, 19. Okay. Yeah. From wow. 19, yeah, exactly. I started really young. So at 19, I worked, I 
stepped foot into the ICU. Wow. So, you know, throughout the years, the patients got sicker and larger and their disease processes were worse. And I saw that while people were living longer, they weren't Mm. living better. Mm. And, you know, by the time they came into the ICU, based upon where I had worked, Many of them had had multiple organ transplants. Mm-hmm. Um, they were on dialysis as a result of their diabetes, multiple heart attacks with stents or, you know, bypass surgery. And right. it just seemed like we're missing something, yeah. you know, we're yeah. really missing something. And um, I-, I was just starting to get really burnt out and and really like, what, why, 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 what are we missing? Why isn't this better? And I'm sure it's hard. Uh, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, being a nurse, right. You could, you're there to treat. You're yeah. not that you're, you're observing, but you can't, you know, talk to these people about what they're doing right. outside of the hospital. Exactly. And like at that point, it's almost too late. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's like, you're observing all this stuff and it's, it's gotta be so frustrating because you're seeing it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you only knew, if we only knew what these foods or whatever was doing to us. Yes. doing to us. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where you realize that, like, we're missing it in the primary care offices. We're missing it in the OBGYN offices. And people were coming in with these lists of medications that you just couldn't believe. And it was like, okay, there's a pill for everything, right? But, like, what? Why? Like, why are we here? And you would – and you know that, like, I understand that – the way the system works, people don't have a lot of time to spend with their patients in the outpatient right, setting, right. but we're missing this opportunity mm-hmm. to make, help people live well. Yeah. And so when they would get to me and they'd have this bag of pills <laughs> and, you know, organs from a million different people, right, there was right. nothing I could do. So, um, you know, I'd always been very into my own wellness and people would always ask me supplement questions. because I was always taking supplements and yeah. I always had the green salad at lunch. And yeah. so, um, I tried to do my best but, you know, you can only help so many people. Right. right. You can only lead a horse to water, right. like they say. Yeah, you know? exactly. Eventually, it's it's all about – same thing with fitness, right? I can right. I can spend two or three hours a week training you, but what you do the other 100-plus hours mm-hmm. is really what makes the biggest difference. Right. You know? And it's interesting because people would like – my husband would always laugh because people would blow up my phone with like – they needed the information right then and that, like what they need to eat, what they need to take. And then you give it to them and then they don't do it, you know? And then they say like, oh, I want to have like arms like yours. I'm like, I work out every single day. I didn't wake up with these arms. I put the work in, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's no quick fix. There is no quick. It's hard and it's lifestyle and it's dedication. So I had always, you know, really seen myself as being very healthy and lived this very clean lifestyle, you know, no smoking. Mm. I, we drink very, very little, you know, socially. And, um, my husband and I were on a trip to New York and, um, we flew back late one night and the next day I got out of the shower and I went to dry off my shoulder and saw this large mass, um, in my scapula area in the reflection in the mirror. Mm. And it was like, I looked at it and I thought, oh, that's weird, you know? Like, did I hit myself right. or something? Um, and Because it came out of nowhere, you said, right? It came out of nowhere. And I know for certain that it wasn't there three weeks earlier because we had gone to an event um, in which I had to be zipped into a strapless dress and I bent over and it would have been very obvious. Right, right. <clears throat> it wasn't there. And I actually had a massage like the week after and it would have it been – It wasn't How there. How old were you at this point? I was – 
I think I had just turned, I think it was 41. Okay. So not to age me, because we're gonna, I'm gonna tell you how long I've been in remission. So we'll just we'll just so edit that do, out. If you can do math. Yeah. Megan's you know? gonna edit that out of yeah, here. Exactly, exactly. Um so I, you know, and I it, for some reason it 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 didn't really give me the pit in my stomach right away. Mm. I was just kind of like, hmm. But it triggered enough to where I called my husband, who is a physician, but he's an anesthesiologist. So I always say that he's not like a real doctor. <laughs> like he doesn't take care of anybody's illness. Right, right, like right. he puts people to sleep. Yeah, so yeah. it's a joke in our house. Make that, like, sure that they wake up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when the kids are sick, they are always with me because he right. doesn't know. He's right. not a real doctor. He puts people to sleep. <laughs> but for some reason, I called him and – because I was off work that day, I actually went by the hospital. Yeah. And I was like, have you seen like have you seen this? And he touched on it and didn't hurt. And he was if you to know him, you would know that he was super calm, super cool. He's like, Oh, that's interesting. Okay, well. And he kind of was like, I'm he's like, I'm busy, I'll call you later. I'm like, okay. So I went to the grocery store and he called me about 30 minutes later and he said, <clears throat> I need you to go in and see Dr. Rizzo. Mm. And I was like, I know who she is and everyone knows who she is. And I was like, Dr. Rizzo, she's a surgical oncologist. Mm. And that's when my heart sunk. Yeah. yeah. And I said, why do I need to see Monica? Like, yeah. and he's like, she's waiting for you in the office. And I was just like, oh. And then there was this like period of resistance. Like, right. I'm just going to go home and drop these groceries right. off. And we're going to act like this is right. not happening. If I don't address it, it's not there. I was not yeah. ready. Yeah. And I realized that I was not ready. Ooh. And... If I think about it now, it's like, and I'm one of those that like, I always put everybody before myself and it was our son's birthday Mm. on that Monday. And I remember thinking like, Zachary's birthday. We just can't. Keep going. Yep. Don't have time for that. And so John, so then he texts me, he's like, she's waiting for you. I was like, (laughs) oh shit. All right. (laughs) So I go see her in the office and, um, I remember she looked at me and she said, um, yikes. Really? Yeah. And she said, best case, worst case. And she's like, let's get an MRI and you're going to get that MRI tomorrow. Wow. And being in the industry, I know that nobody gets an MRI tomorrow. Right. You know? Right. You can't even get in. Yeah. Yeah. So I then got the feeling, you know, where you, you're sick to your stomach, you feel like you can't eat, but I still was kind of in denial. So I went the next morning and had the MRI. And at the time, I was doing fast twitch at the forum, the forum. all the time and love the, love that family. Yeah. There were, they're just the best family. And I thought I'm going to go straight to fast twitch afterwards after, and I'm going to act like nothing happened. Right. And so I went to fast twitch and I told Roman, I was like, oh, I just had an MRI, but I think I'm fine. And Roman's like, you're fine. You're so tough. You know, I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I was going to go about my business. So I got out of fast twitch and there was a voicemail from Dr. Rizzo. Oh. And she said, we have you scheduled for surgery. This was on a Friday that I had the MRI. And she said, we have you scheduled first thing in the morning on Monday for surgery. Oh my gosh. And I sat in my car at the forum and I said, Ooh, yeah, that's not good. So, but at this point, are you thinking, okay, they just need to remove it and then they're going to test it. Or at this point, are you kind of realizing it's probably something bigger than that? I think both. Yeah. I think that at that point I knew what the worst case scenario was, which would be like a very um, invasive sarcoma. Mm. Anything that 
you know, is in that area. It was, we knew it was fixated. So like the best case scenario was a lipoma, something that like Got dogs it. get, or right. you can get like in your right. skin. It's like a fatty tumor, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we were all thought, okay, well, that's best. Okay. And so based on the MRI, they knew it was fixed Got into it. my rib, into, into the, the muscle, into muscle. the tissue. Yeah. Yeah. So we knew that it wasn't that. Okay. So, um, I knew that there was something more, Yeah. but even at that, I was still kind of like, not really. Like I didn't even go, I, I didn't look anything up. Mm -hmm. I just took the whole medical piece of me out of it. It was very, um, matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we went to Athens because it was my oldest son's birthday. We had birthday dinner with him and all his roommates. I didn't say a word. We didn't say anything yeah. that Saturday. Yeah. We just didn't want them to know or sure. worry. And, um, so Monday morning I went in and, um, you know, it's surreal being the patient when you've yeah. always been on the other side. Yeah. And I'd never really been, um, that serious of a patient before. Right. You know, it had like, you know, a hurt foot or something right, like that, right. but nothing like this. And I remember, um, because I had surgery at the hospital where my husband works and one of his very sweet partners took care of me. And of course the nursing staff was all wonderful. And I remember I was going back to the operating room and one of the nurses put this like token in my hand mm. that was basically like, oh, it had like a scripture on it, but mm -hmm. it was like a very, um, symbolic, like we're thinking about you. We're hoping that things go well. And she put it in my hand when I was ro rolling back to the operating room. Mm. And I was like, Oh, everyone, it. Like, this yeah, is like everyone real. knows this is yeah. serious than me. Gosh. And then my husband was so great that he decided he was going to be just the husband and Aww. not the, you know, not yeah. the doctor. Yeah. And so as they're rolling me back, he left me right in the same area that all other family members. Uh -huh. And we've been married forever. And I don't think I've ever seen him cry. And he cried. <gasps> I know. So he cried. <laughs> so um, I went back and um, they do this thing when you're in the operating room and they they you know, say your name yep. and what you're there for. Yep. And um, the anesthesiologist that was taking care of me, I know well. And um, I heard them say my name and then I heard them say, she's here for a radical chest wall dissection. Mm. And I remember going, no, not, not, that's not what I thought. Like it never dawned on me. I was like, I'm just here for a lump removal. Right. And when I was falling so asleep. So what would be the difference? Yeah. So a radical chest wall dissection is where they are going to open you up and they're going to go all the way down to as oh. far as they can go. And they're going to have to take out whatever they have to take out while they're there. Okay. And for some reason, it never dawned on me. I thought like, like surface level. You yeah. Thought. Right. Okay, Even okay. and that shows you how like you can be as knowledgeable and as well trained right. as me, but in <laughs> denial. And I was like, Oh shit. Shit. Yeah. yeah. So then I felt, you know, I went to sleep anesthesia. And then I remember waking up in the recovery room and I was like, Oh yeah. The pain, like instantly I was in pain when I woke up and I was like, that was clearly no joke. Wow. And so I've shown the picture every year on Instagram to remind people to, you know, always check themselves check, yeah. and look for themselves. And it looks like somebody took a kidney from me in the middle of the night. I have a scar from my spine that wraps all the way around to my mid rib cage, oh my all gosh. the way around. So 
that's didn't, just to get up in your scapula. So they so they had to basically take out this whole area. So basically they opened up from underneath the scapula and went all the way around. Like around your lats? Exactly. Underneath, underneath. So I lost lat muscle. If you oh. feel me, you can feel a big hole. Yeah, that's I'm just like thinking from the, the yes. trainer side in me. I'm like, that's a big so they take off this huge flap and take, then they go in through the side. Exactly. And they okay. pulled out the tumor, and then there was tumor that was actually um, a little bit on the surface of my lung and a little bit into the actual rib bone. Ooh. So she had to leave that. And they knew at the end of the surgery that they had to leave it, that they okay. couldn't take it. And so... Just um, because you can't remove something from in between your ribs? So or in order to take it stupid off... Stupid question. The, like, I know yeah, nothing no, about anything. It, it's a great question. So to go into the lung is a completely different surgery. I see. And it would require a different surgeon. Got it. Okay. And so I think that she thought that let's see what this is. And if we need to go into the lung, we will. That's when you get like chest tubes and all kinds of other things. And then taking off rib bone, I think that there's some different thoughts about, you know, if it's in the bone, if you just remove a section of it, is it really doing anything? Mm. Are you really, you know, getting it? So I think that she left what she thought was clean enough and then we'll see what the pathology was. And so we had to wait two weeks for pathology, which was really hard. So you're just sitting here with this hole in yes. your back and just waiting. Yes. And the and I remember saying, I'm never going to complain about the pain if this all works out okay. Right. So I never said a word. I used to just like say to my husband at night, like, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yep, I'm fine. And he's like, I know you're in a lot of pain. And I'm like, I've made a promise that I'm not going to complain because if – if I don't, maybe then I'll get lucky or right. maybe, you know, I thought right. like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do everything I can to just power through this. Yeah. And I said over and over again that like, if I get spared and this isn't a Ewing sarcoma or a mm-hmm. myosarcoma, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do everything that I said I wanted to do that I haven't done. Mm. And, and I went over what those things were. Sure. And for those two weeks, I just would say, like, I know I'm going to get spared, and I know that whatever is thrown my way will be for a reason, and I'm going to make good on these promises. Mm-hmm. So we went at two weeks to get the pathology, and while it wasn't fantastic, it certainly wasn't the worst. So okay. it was a, a desmoid fibromatosis, which is a local malignancy that in that area very rarely metastasize. Okay. So if you get it in your abdomen, then it metastasizes and it's very deadly and it's a terrible cancer if it's in your abdomen. But where mine was, it doesn't usually metastasize. So the big issue was that there was some left behind because right. she couldn't get it all. Right. So I went across the country and got different, you know, opinions. And the long story short, we ended up doing surveillance. Mm. And so um, the surveillance was brutal. Every six months, MRIs and, you know, lots of emotions with that. But mm-hmm. Long story short, I'm past the five-year mark. Wow. So, yes. So, I am down to really just basically like examining um, surveillance. I don't have to have any more MRIs. Right. So basically just keeping right. an eye on the site. Wow. So, yes, we're very thankful for that. And That's it was crazy. It was a life-changing event that, you know, you can take care of sick people all day long. And then when you're in that sure. space, you realize, sure. you know, and – having to go see an oncologist every six months and mm-hmm. sit in that waiting room next to people that are getting chemotherapy, yeah. there's a piece of you that feels so guilty. And mm-hmm. you're like, you know, I'm in here seeing my oncologist and he's going to 
give me a hug and tell me that my MRI is fine. Right. And I'm sitting next to this woman who has two children who's got breast cancer mm-hmm. and who's here every week for chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And there's a piece of you that feels really, really guilty. And that is why I kept my promise that I was going to do what I said I was going to do during that time. Yeah. And I felt like, I know this sounds very weird and cosmic, but I felt like if I didn't, then this continued luck wasn't right. going to continue. Right, right, right. And that I had five years to go, right. you know? And so if I didn't do what I said, that the cosmic energy could yeah. change. Yeah. So it completely changed the way I lived my life. And I decided to go back to school and get a degree in nutrition from IIN in New York. Okay. And then I got a degree in plant-based nutrition and plant-based medicine from Cornell. Yeah. And decided that Which I is wanted, right where I'm from. Yes, here, exactly. Here where I'm from. Exactly. Upstate New York. And I changed the way that my relationships were with everything I would not that I was never thankful for every day, but I was really thankful for every day. So, okay. So you're during those two weeks, you're, you're praying, you're manifesting you're whatever, you know, whoever mm-hmm. you are praying to, right. Or whatever. Everybody has something different. Um, but basically what you're saying is like, I've been a nurse this entire time, but it's not, it doesn't have an impact, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. I can help people mm-hmm. feel better in the moment, but it's actually not going to create a change. Exactly. Is that right? Yes. Exactly. So then in those two weeks, you're like, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to help the root cause mm-hmm. of what happens to it, these people. Exactly. And not just do what's easy, which is like showing up to a job that I've done right. forever. Right. Right. Being a nurse practitioner. Clocking in, clocking Clocking out. in, yeah. clocking yeah. out and feeling dissatisfied and sure. not really fixing the problem, right. right? I knew I did a good job when I was there and my patients, I think, were served, but I wasn't fixing the broken problem mm. and no one else was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very easy to go to work and you get six weeks of paid vacation at, yeah. at that point and I worked two days a week and, you know, I made great money. Yeah. And I've been doing it for so long I was on autopilot. So going back to school at that age in life, you really get turned on your ass again. Like, you know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Like you feel like a novice. Yeah. So, so you'd obviously had a drive to do this before yes. this I happened. I did. And it was like, oh, but I get six weeks of vacation. Right. And wouldn't you just rather go sit on a beach in St. Bart's yeah. than like be in school? Right. 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 And then I realized that like, no, you have to do this. So at 41, you go back to school. I went back to school and I was probably, um, at the time I was probably 42 because a little bit of time okay, had passed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. So I went back to school, went to IIN, which was very intense, like yeah. super intense. And at the time, I don't know, I think the programs evolved some, but at the time, all the disruptors taught, mm. you know, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Weil, yeah, yeah. Gabby Bernstein, um, you know, it goes on and on. They all taught. So it was a phenomenal program. And wow. it was a, and it was very clinically minded yeah. people, but disruptors in the industry, sure. right? Sure. They were like, we have to think differently about this. Right. And then Cornell, the program is taught um, by Dr. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study. Okay. So that huge study all about vegetarian veganism and around the world yeah. and China. Um, so he created this program at Cornell for plant-based nutrition and plant-based medicine. So that again was very academic and right. a little bit strenuous and right, right, right. Um, a little bit dry, yeah. but I got yeah. through it and learned a lot <laughs> more than I thought. And some of the things are, you know, 
you know, a little bit of dogma. Like I'm not a dogmatic yeah. vegetarian, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not great. Yes. So, you know, it was it was one of those programs that it was good. It was a lot of great clinical information, but a lot of dogma. Got it. And I just feel like people don't do well with that. Like you have to do what works for you. Right. And and I think most times you have to kind of teach to the masses. Yes. Yes, you're going to get specific, but you know, you got to kind of teach to the middle of the road and people have to also take responsibility for themselves as well. Exactly. And be like, okay, if I want to learn more about this specific thing, then I do X, Y, Z. Right. Right. Yes. And I don't think that there's one way to do anything. Right. You know, there's yeah. just not. It's like, yeah. okay, you don't have to eat vegetarian all the time. If right. you want to do it a couple of days a week or if you can pick one thing from it, fine. Sure. I don't think any different. And I don't think I'm superior because I don't eat animals. Right. It's, it's not that way. And I think that that's a mistake people make in putting these labels on how they eat right. and what they do. Like, right. Maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow and start eating beef. I don't know. Right. And I would hope someone wouldn't judge me for that. And I would certainly not judge somebody else. I think when you take the dogma out of it, yeah. it makes it a more yeah. welcoming thing. Yeah. So um, I decided that, you know, this was the route I was going to take. And it was kind of scary because I had, you know, been the supporting role in our right, family. Right. And like my husband was kind of like this, he had the big job. Right. He had to be at the hospital at 5 a.m. And right. we never knew when he was going to get done. And so I was, You're you know. taking care of the kids. The kids, and, the driver, the grocery yeah, store, yeah. the, you know, the everything, yep. the, the whatever it was. He yep. just, you know, was a supporting role. So I went to go work. Um, so, so long story short, the nutrition piece was always there. And then clients were like, I wish you would do the aesthetic piece with that because you've got the degree, the nurse practitioner. Right. Like, why aren't you doing Botox? Why aren't you doing right, filler? Why aren't right. you doing beauty? And I was like, hmm, I never really thought about that. Let me think about that. To combine the two. To combine the two. So your original thought of going back to school was to do what with those degrees? Or didn't you know? Only to do nutrition. I really I thought that's I all I was going to do was wellness. Okay. I thought that like, you know, I never thought about adding the beauty piece. Got it. I just okay. thought if I can get people well and and teach people how to look at labels. Because sure. it's so funny. Like you don't realize that people don't even know how to read food labels. Yeah. And yeah. they believe what's on the front anybody. of the box. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if one person can get off their diabetic medicine right. or, you know, they can be around for their grandchildren, that's great. So that was always the plan. Mm. And then it kind of evolved into adding the aesthetic piece. And so I did tons and tons of training for that and then worked um, at a place in Buckhead and um, learned that it's an interesting business mm. and that I understand that, you know, Businesses are there to make money. Sure. But I think being so rooted in clinical medicine right. like I am for so long, um, for me, it was like, well, no, you can't get Botox and filler today because you have a strep throat. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> people would come in with like, you know, a wound infection right, and right, they would right. want, and I'd be like, no, we can't do that today. Yeah. And the owner was not very pleased with me Got because it. I would just turn, make a sale. Yes. Yeah. Just put yeah. the filler in their yeah. face, you yeah. know, or just give these people hormones, even though they have a, you know, a history of breast cancer in their family. Ugh. So I couldn't do that. So they're things. not looking whole picture, full picture. Exactly. Got it. Okay. And you know, the thing about the industry that, you know, people don't realize is that when you have a degree, like a nurse practitioner or you're a doctor, there's really no regulations on what you can do. You can hang a shingle up and you can do pretty much whatever you want. And that's a good thing and a bad mm. thing. And it's a really bad thing when people who aren't ethical mm -hmm. or aren't interested in getting the right education 
have the ability to do these things. Right. Just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you have any idea how to take care of women's hormones or sure. weight loss yeah. or, you know, even inject things into people's faces. Right. And so I took it very, very seriously. Like the face has got tons of arteries and vessels mm-hmm. in there and you need to be very careful with what you're doing. So I seeked a ton of education and took it very seriously and treated it as it should be a medical procedure. Right. And if you've got a strep throat or you've got a gaping mood infection, then you don't get filler today. Right. You come in another right. day. So that made me not so popular at mm. the workplace. Okay. And um, then when I started looking at other options, I realized that there's more of that out there than there is not really. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then you have your plastic surgeons who right. are impeccably trained. And yes. They've already got their business going and they're, they're not interested in the wellness thing so much. They want to just do surgery and yeah. inject. And I get yeah. that. But I really wanted to have both pieces because I don't think I would have been fulfilled if um, I couldn't take care of the whole patient. Sure. Well, I think it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong again, Danielle and I literally just met an hour ago. Um, but I feel like I, I can kind of like gauge people and read people and whatever. And I feel like for you, after going through what you went through and, you know, your experience through nursing, uh, you see a person as an entire being. And I think when we have all of the options to change the way that we look from the outside, it's surface level. Mm -hmm. So if you can help people from the inside out, helping them tweak or do Mm -hmm. whatever to their face is just kind of the icing on the cake, the bonus. Exactly. Right? So you can talk to them as a wellness expert. And at the same time, they can walk out of your, because let's, let's face it, like wellness, it's, it's consistency. It's Mm -hmm. what they do after they leave your office. Mm -hmm. It's what they do, you know, when they're out and about and the, um, the drinks are being poured mm-hmm. and all this is coming out their right. mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you choose? Right. But then being able to kind of give that instant satisfaction where you're going to leave the office and you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to feel a little bit better about yourself, but right. also please know that what's happening on the inside of your body is 10 times more important than what you see. Bingo. Right? Yes. That's how I see you. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Exactly. And, you know, your glow comes from inside. Sure. You know? Sure, sure, sure. And you can tell by looking at somebody if they're glowing and they're healthy from the inside or if they're like garbage on the inside, but they're frozen with Botox. Right. You can tell. Right. Or mentally too. Exactly. Right? The way that they treat other people or talk about other people or talk about themselves. Like all of that is directly related in how you show up in humanity and society. That's right. Yeah. And I think that we're doing a disservice if you just put neurotoxins in people's faces and filler. And so everybody that comes into my office, we sit down and ask them, what do you do? Tell me your story. I want to know you first. And then we that's important, right? Like, where are you in your life right now? Why are you here? Right. Are you going through a divorce and you want a radically different face? That's not the time to do it, right? <laughs> like, not the time to do it. So I need to know that. You right. know, are right. you, you know, what's going on? That's and, exactly what Jay Gold says too. Yeah. Jess Gold. She's like, okay, if you come into my chair and you're like, <laughs> I want to chop my hair up to here. She's like, what's going what on? What is going what's on? What's happening? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing. And then sometimes I'll get people that have like lost a lot of weight and they want to treat themselves. And so right. then we do a big celebration too. Sure. But I like to get to know them. And then I always tell them that like, 
yes, Botox and filler and microneedling and all the beautiful skin stuff we do, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love it too. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a piece. Like you said, it's the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. And you have to take care of yourself, you know, from everything you eat to what you put in your body and to how you the toxicity that you let in your life and yeah. your emotions, you know, yeah. we wear our emotions on our skin and our hair and our right. face and our nails, right. right? And I can tell when somebody's not in a good place the minute they walk in the office. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was like I needed to create a place that people could come that they knew that they had a clinician that was dedicated to medical excellence mm-hmm. that would never compromise ever on integrity mm. and that they would be um, well taken care of sure. and heard and that a friend, they could call me and say like, I have so many patients that will come and be like, hey, my kid fell and skinned their knee. Do you think I need to take them in? And I'm like, no, you're good or yes. Or, right, you right. know, that's the kind of relationships that I would want and, yeah. and I love. And like, I would rather see less patients and have them be important Um, me and their life and, and my, you know, mine and theirs. And so that's kind of how I run my business. And it's not always the best financial decision because I take a lot of time, like my wellness and weight loss patients, follow-ups are supposed to be 30 minutes and they're all there in an hour into it. And I'm like, I told my husband, I'm like, I need to get one of those hourglass things. Yes, dings. Yeah. Because yeah. they're yeah. still there an hour and 10 minutes yeah. later, you know, yeah. Yeah. that's okay though. Um, so, so, okay. So let's go back to EIA. Yes. So you're like, okay, I, this, where I'm working in Buckhead is not working. I need to basically kind of, I, I don't know a lot of other places, at least Atlanta, in Atlanta that do this. Yeah. So you're like, I want to open my own place. Right. Yep. So how did that how were, how did you bring it to fruition? Uh, in uh. like two weeks. Really? <laughs> it was kind of like one of those things I interviewed all around town and I realized that whenever you work for somebody else and you're dealing with products, yeah. they pick those products and you don't really have a whole lot of say so and the product margins mm. and all that stuff. And I was like, this is not going to go well, yeah. you know? And it took me a minute to get to a place where I felt that I was deserving or worthy of yeah. doing this. Um, I kind of struggled with that. Like, Am I worthy? Like, okay. am I, am I good enough right. to do this? Right. On my own. On my own. Mm. And am, am, are people going to take me seriously? Right. You know, are they going to believe what I have to say? Sure. And that was the hardest thing I think out of everything was the self-talk to myself that you are highly educated. Yeah. You are smart. You are worthy. But that's not what I tell myself all the time, yeah. right? Like I'm yeah. telling you. But yeah. So that was the biggest obstacle. So then we decided to open and I couldn't take any of the clients that I had from the previous place because you're not allowed to do that in the uh-huh. industry. Uh-huh. But, you know, Instagram people can right. find, you. find you. They can yeah. find you, right. Yeah. It's the same thing in fitness. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I tried to be a really good person in that. And mm-hmm. so um, we opened up our doors and we have a location in Brookhaven and one in Alpharetta. Right. And they're very boutique where like you walk in, it's me. Because I feel like a lot of this stuff is very personal. And when you're sitting in a waiting room and everyone's looking at each other like, what are you getting done? What are you getting done today? (laughs) It's intimidating, you know? And then when you like check in and the office person asks you what you're there for, and then maybe someone else puts you in the room and you're like, I'm here because I'm 10 pounds overweight. Like it's intimidating. And I wanted to create a place where that didn't happen. And you got to come in and just see me you didn't see anybody else. Yeah. You didn't have to tell anybody else that, you know, your hormones are out of whack and you're crying every minute and mm. you don't want to have sex with your husband. Mm. Like that's personal. Right. And, right. you know, weight, image, 
hormones, aging, it's all personal. Mm-hmm. And so and it's I, all related. It is all so related. So when you have some, you know, when you're seeing eight different doctors for eight yep. different things and they're not communicating, like mm-hmm. it's hard because you need, it's almost like you need a manager. You need one person yep. to oversee exactly you mm-hmm. as a person and they can pinpoint your hormones yep. and they can pinpoint your digestion mm-hmm. problems and X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, so are you technically a, like, are you functional medicine? Are you considered so integrative medicine? Is integrative what I would call medicine. it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's all these words and like, right. what do you call them? Right. So Dr. Conover in Charleston, South Carolina is probably like the best known performance medicine doctor, um, anti-aging, we, we regenerative, we all throw around these different words, right? And none of us know what the best word right. is. But Dr. Conover is in Charleston, South Carolina, and he is just the guru of performance, anti-aging, regenerative medicine. And I was lucky enough to be able to train with him, okay. which is just almost unheard of. Okay. But trained with him and learned just, I mean, my mind just blew with the kind of stuff that he does huh. and offers. So he does, I mean, he's taking care of elite athletes. As, I mean, you name it, he's taking care of them. He's got a big shop in Charleston and he does way more advanced things than we do. I'm just one person, but training with him, not only do they get the incredible knowledge, I'm also able to offer his products. I see. His peptides, his IVs, his special B12, all of the things which are incredible. Mm. I use them myself and I can offer them to my patients. So that's the piece of the functional medicine that I do. So I offer his peptides for weight loss. Um, I follow all of his protocols for thyroid replacement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we do IV therapy and we also can offer NAD, which is a really big deal. NAD is a huge tool for people that are dealing with weight Mm. or addiction or some mental anxiety, depression, and some people just love it for anti-aging. So it's this, it's what this, is NAD? What is yeah. It? So it's a, it's a B, it's a B derivative molecule okay. that you give via IV. It's huge in LA and New York. Okay. And the problem is, is that again, in the industry becomes very unscrupulous. They mm. found this thing that works really, really, really well. And so what have they done? They've marked it up to where it's only available to the elite. Mm. Like if you look at an NAD drip in California, it's going to cost you about $1,800 a drip. Exactly. Like if you watch the Bieber, like Justin Bieber, like documentary, he like went home with it in a bag and Uh, dripped it for 24 hours. So it's very trendy, but it's a great thing. But the problem is, is that it very priced yeah, out of the market. Right. Yeah. So Dr. Conover decided to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's so good. He believes so much in it that being a, I, I can offer it at the price that he is able to offer it because he does so much of it. And we don't believe that something that's helping someone in their health so much, there sh- it should be priced out of the market. Right. right. And well, and also, you know, none of this stuff is really covered by insurance, nothing. which is hard too. So it's like exactly. people choose the cheaper, right. shittier foods. People choose, yep. you know, not going to the doctor because they don't want to pay the copay. And it's like in the long run, mm-hmm. chances are exactly. in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, it's going to do more harm mm-hmm. than, okay, pony up and take care of it. And not to say you need to go like balls to the wall spending a ton of money, but right. Even if you just started with the foods, yes, right, exactly. just with what you're putting in your body, exactly. If you would just start there, and like teaching our kids how important that is. I mean, you get up in the morning and and kids get donuts and bagels, and it's like the Pop first tarts. thing you're feeding their brain is sugar. Yes, like sugar is the sugar is a worse drug than alcohol. I know. 
you know? And it's like, we don't talk about that until they're, uh, having these diseases in their thirties and forties or, okay, my kid's five years old and already already has cavities. It's like, ding, 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 like, come on. Mm -hmm. But then it's just kind of ignored because it's easier to go this way than this way until you're faced Mm -hmm. with a decision in your forties, fifties and sixties where it's like, okay, this is a health concern. Correct. Right. Correct. That's exactly, you said it beautifully. And that's what I tell my patients. I'm like, when we get your labs back and your hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker for diabetes, is elevated. I'm like, this is no longer a diet for you. Right, right, right. This is an illness. Right. And you can't look at it as that we're getting bikini ready. Right. You have to look at it that you have a medical condition that you no longer can mess around with. Yeah. You need to be around that you have an option to wear a bikini or not. Exactly. And that's what I'm finding so much on these labs is that the amount of insulin resistance mm. and sugar, I mean, it's insane. So I'll tell, I'll take sugar away from patients because they always tell me when they sit in my chair, oh, I don't really eat sugar. Okay, mm. sure. Okay, I can look at you and tell you eat sugar. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'll take sugar away from them and they'll call me. They're like, oh my God, everything I ate is sugar. And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's easy to do, you yeah. know? And yeah. so um, you said it beautifully. And, and that's what happens is, so Dr. Conover has a very same philosophy as myself is that, at the end of the day, we're medical providers and we're mm-hmm. here to provide you with medicine and an alternative to go into your PCP who's just going to give you a blood pressure medication. Right. And so, right. yes, we're doing the beauty stuff and there's a markup on that. Sure. But when it comes to like the wellness things, we both have the philosophy that this needs to be accessible. Yeah. It needs to be something that people can do because we're missing the mark and, right. you know, medical, you know, going to your doctor, you're missing the right. mark. You're not yeah. getting what you need. Yeah. So if I can provide that, my, you know, my ethics is to take care of the patient first and to heal illness and mm-hmm. to create wellness. Mm-hmm. And I could never sleep at night if I know that I price something to where only the elite could get it. Right. I would, that's just not who I am. Right. Which just goes back to why my accountant and my husband probably hate me because I'm a terrible <laughs> business person. I'm like, today I did a house call for somebody and I was like, I'll come do a house call. It's the same price as if you come get it in the office. And I'm like driving there going like, how much gas did I spend right, today? Right. And the time and the, all but the things. But she called me and she's like, I'm really, really sick. And I was like, I'll be right here. <laughs> So I'm terrible. So I probably need like a business manager, not me, but um, for now that's it. So that's kind of how EIA evolved. And so I really want it to be a place where people felt comfortable and felt welcomed and felt like they were going to get great care. And be looked at as a whole. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And taking every little piece into consideration mm -hmm. and kind of puzzling, piecing it together to create the overall, Mm -hmm. the wellness and and health lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I really think that we, it's, it's going to take time. I do think our society is evolving. I do think, uh, I think with COVID to a certain extent, people are waking up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we've made the shift that we should have. Right. Uh, absolutely not. I think, um, we are still in the same habits, but again, habits are really hard to break and mm-hmm. they're really hard to form. Yeah. But if some of these adults can take a little bit more responsibility, mm-hmm. hopefully they can pass on better habits to their children and the next generation, the next generation after that. So maybe, you know, 50, 100 years from now, it's right. a completely different society than where we are right now. Right. I mean, I look at my my grandfather um, is very ill right now, but but my mom was always made the point of like, oh my God, he like used to eat bologna growing up mm-hmm. and all these like nasty. 
I'm like, yeah, but there were no GMOs. Exactly. There were no hormones pumped in and the foods that he was eating. Exactly. So it's like within the past like mm-hmm. 40 years yep. or even less than that, right? 30 years that our society has completely turned to the diets this and the diets this and the locales this and the, yes. it's like, no, get the full fat milk. Yes. Get the full whatever. Eat an avocado. Right. Please. Right. I'm <laughs> begging you. I'm begging you. They're like, I got this like 30 calorie bread. Right. And I'm like, right. no. I'm right. like, do you think that bread should be shelf stable for right. months? I'm like, have yeah. you ever gone to a bakery? The next day, the bread is stale. Exactly. Like, yeah. do you realize that this was shipped from a factory somewhere yeah. on a truck in the heat? Yeah. And, and then it's on the shelf at Publix for weeks. And you right. think that that's, they're like, but I can't eat avocado. It's high in fat. I'm like, you're eating chemicals yeah. in that bread. Yes. You know? Yeah. So it's hard. And like, I had a patient the other day who's morbidly obese and she came in and we're talking about foods and she said, she put sugar in her coffee and I was like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, because Stevie is a, you know, is it's, it's a chemical. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I, you know, we need to break this down. Right, right, like, right. That's the least of your concern. Yeah. We can get to organics and all that once right. we lose 200 pounds. Right, right, right. Like, let's, let's stay focused. And yeah. I think that I do blame the media for that because they need headlines. I get it, right? They need right. to run a story every right. day. So it's like eggs are good, eggs are bad. Yeah. You know, sugar is okay if it's brown, but not right. if it's white. Right. Brown rice is great, but not if it's white. And I tell my patient, I'm like, it's, it's, it's the same. It's the sugar. Same. Your body yeah. sees a sugar molecule as yeah. a sugar molecule. Yeah. And so I do blame the media on that. And they're always flip-flopping like what to do. And it is confusing. Sure. You know? Yeah, I'm confused. One one season, red wine is good for me. The right. next season, it's terrible. <laughs> right. Like, oh, I'm just going to drink it. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. The, the whole day, bottle. Right, right. Exactly. The but whole no, bottle. It, it's so true. And I, I do think that at the end of the day, and I say this about mental health, like your your health, your life, your existence is your responsibility. And if you're not yeah. willing to do a little bit of research, to ask for help, to reach out, mm-hmm. uh, you can literally find information left and right in this world, but people just want the quick fix. Yep. They want the, um, you know, 99, 99 cent yes. cheeseburger from McDonald's because it's easy to go through. It's like, okay, occasionally, sure. But if that's like a, a daily habit or weekly habit and you start to feel, I mean, let's not even, that's a whole nother podcast, the way these foods actually affect your mental health oh, yeah. and what you're thinking. But like when you can physically see it and mm-hmm. physically feel a difference, like, do you want to live your life that way? Exactly. Do you? And why? Right. And why? Right. You know, and it's like, they'll sit in my chair and they'll tell me they feel like shit. They'll mm-hmm. tell me that. Right. But then they'll come back in two weeks later and they're still doing the same pattern. So you don't feel bad enough to make a change. Right. And I say to them, like, I love for you to come see me every week, but sitting in this chair isn't going to make you lose weight. Right. It's hard. Yeah. But, and, and, and I, and I'm on this journey with you, but when you leave the office, you've got to do the work. Totally. And, and that's the hardest thing. And I know that, you know, food is social and and all of that. and, And I get that. So it's hard because like, when you're on a plan, like how do right. you navigate with wine and with celebration and birthdays? And right. it's hard, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's a commitment and you have to do it and just like you do everything else in life. And I have to realize that not everybody is com- as committed as I am. Sure. And not everybody has the same willpower mm-hmm. as I do. And so I try to approach each client understanding that and being and trying to meet them where they are on their journey. Sure. And I try to say like, let's Zero change. judgment. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And let's change one thing at a time. Yeah. Let's, let's fix that terrible breakfast. Right. And, or, you know, or what, let's, let's one thing at a time. Right. And I find that that works better. Yeah. 
The only issue is that like you're paying me, right? So like some people want like all at once and they right. want this big bank because they don't ever want to come back in the office. Right. But statistically, that's just not going to work, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I try to change things because, you know, changing things consistently makes for great habits, sure. what I always say. Sure. And so that's what I try to do. And I try to walk through that with them and be accessible. And like I try to remind them that, yes, you're paying me when you're in the office, but the amount of text messages that you send me, really, you're actually not paying me anything because I'm spending so much time doing that with you afterwards. Right. right. So, you know, I, I and it's my pleasure to do that. And it's part of our boutique practice. Yeah. And it's what I honestly do believe in um, because it takes me two seconds to look at a label and say to them, no way, yeah. you know, or yes. And I don't mind doing that. It's my pleasure. I feel sure. like that's what sure. I can do. So, so if somebody just and again, you opened Brookhaven first, and now you have an Alpharetta location. They're, they're as well. both they, they both opened the same. Oh, week. at the same time. Oh, you you you're like eh, <laughs> yeah. might as well do this. Might as well. And I thought about Alpharetta as being a very untapped market. There's a lot of young people that moved up yeah. there, you know. And I have to say that I haven't done as much as I should up there to really get into the community. I okay. need to do that. Brookhaven is definitely my flagship. Yeah. Um, there's potential in Alpharetta. It's just that I get so busy in Brookhaven that I, and when I get up to Alpharetta, I've got the clients I already have, right. but I need to reach out and do more. Right, right. Um, it's just a different, it's a different market. Yeah. It's a different, you know, it's a different market. Totally, totally. So if somebody's like, I don't even know where to start, but I, I do want to dive into getting healthier. Yeah. Right. What's, so they just book like an initial appointment with you or how does the process work? Yeah. So on the website, which I'm very proud of, which the new website is up. Yeah. I'm so proud of it. Um, there is it's a www.eiaesthetics.com. Uh-huh, okay. Yep. Um, I'll and put that in the show notes too. Yeah, and it's linked to my Instagram. Okay. Um, so there's an initial, there's a, um, a wellness consult and that is basically where you come and it's the least expensive of all the consults. And it's like, I don't know what to eat. But I don't, not really having any medical issues. I don't need labs. I'm not overweight. No one, you know, I don't have to have pre-diabetes. Got it. So that's an initial, like, hey, let's get you on a food plan. Let's talk about, like, where the hidden disasters are. And let's figure out some quick, easy things to do if you do need to pull through McDonald's. Okay. That's a good place to start. Or if you want to just do more into, like, nutraceuticals and what supplements do I love and what yeah. do you need to yeah. have. And let's get on a plan for that. Sure. Then there's a weight loss one. And that is going to be in depth and we're going to go through all your biometrics. We're going to get all your labs and that will include medications if you need them. I don't do any stimulants whatsoever. So if you're coming to me for Adderall, you've come to the wrong office. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's on the website. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a no. It's just a simple no. So do you actually draw labs in your office? Yeah. So I don't because I, again, I'm a terrible business person. I believe that people have insurance and sure. I yeah. want them to be able to use their insurance benefits. So yeah. I send them with the West lab okay. flip. Okay. Most, so you take insurance for the labs, not for the visits, obviously. Exactly. Right. Okay. And most integrative functional practices, they do their own labs with a specific lab and they charge the patient for right. it. And all of that is very, I just don't feel right doing it. If we ever get to a point where the labs aren't, you know, aren't coming out the right way at Quest because we do get some different labs that you don't normally get with regular. But for now, they're coming out looking great. The, the reason that functional medicine people tell you is that like, oh, they're not accurate at Quest. We have to use this lab because that's the only way the C-reactive protein right. is where your homocysteine level is accurate. I don't believe that. If you're ordering a lab, you're ordering a lab. Exactly. And, the, right? and, and we... That's just bull. Yeah. Okay. So my patients go, they get their insurance and the same thing with their medications. If their thyroid's out of whack, I call their prescription into CVS. I don't use a compounding pharmacy for Got that it. because again, it's an added expense. Compounding pharmacies don't take insurance. Mm. 
what are you doing? You you need you're coming to see me. You're already paying money. I am never going to do that to you. Right. We're going to send it to CVS. You're going to get your insurance to pay for it. Well, it sounds like similar to functional medicine facility is like you're you're not going and prescribing all the medications you possibly can. You're really trying to figure out, okay, let's change your diet. Let's yep. change your lifestyle. Let's change your habits. Are you sleeping enough? Are you stressed? Yes. Like all those things add up, yes. right? And we want to get to that root cause of why it's happening. And yes, if you do need a prescription, obviously of course. you're able to prescribe that, which, yes. is, which is huge. But at the end of the day, there is a lot that we can fix and or reverse and or prevent with what we're doing on a day-to-day basis and what we're consuming. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had to learn kind of the hard way that, and that's where functional medicine's gotten a really bad rap yeah. is that they will throw 50 supplements at everybody and right. tell them, right? Which is expensive as shit. It's expensive. Yeah. And, you know, I had to really kind of break it down that if someone's coming to me who's very confused about food, right? right and or overweight, then that means they're probably not ready for 30 supplements. Right. 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 They're, they're not in that, they're not in that if place. They can't even choose the healthy option you off got the it. shelf. They're not going to take you 30 supplements every single got morning it. consistently. You got it. And so I would rather people be consistent with their food and mm. with something natural. And then as we grow and evolve, of course we can throw some supplements in there, but that's where I'm different. Like I am not going to make you go buy 30 supplements that are going to be sitting on your counter right. when you're overwhelmed with what to put in your mouth. Right. So again, probably a terrible business decision, <laughs> but you're not going to walk out of my office with that. Right. And I, tr- that's why I say I try to meet you with where you are. Like if someone comes in, that's like you, who's right. very in shape, super knowledgeable. And you're like, Hey, I want to get really into these supplements. Yeah. Then yes, we're going right. to get into it. I'm going to tell you the best ones, what they do, why I believe in them and, and what I take. Sure. You're ready for it. Sure. You know, that would just be easy peasy for you. But not for someone that's asking me about, you know, stevia versus right. sugar, right? That's not the <laughs> Which right thing. St- isn't stevia derived from sugar <laughs> anyway? So right. anyways, exactly. Right. Okay. So I, I kind of, this has been great. Like so much information. Hopefully people are, you know, eyes are a little bit open. Just at least the awareness, right? Yes. Like you don't have to make huge changes today. Like just right. knowing that you can make a change and that it's not, doesn't have to be overwhelming and you don't have to do all these things at once. Right. Yes. And that there's somebody there to guide you through step by step by step. Mm -hmm. So for you, let's get back to you and your story. Um, what do you do to really keep your self healthy physically, mentally, mentally, spiritually? And then also how do you balance that with being a business owner? It's hard. Yeah. And I think that for me, it's been, it's been a big transition for our family. Mm. And I, I mean, I, you know, I don't keep it together all the time. I'm human, (laughs) you know, and I literally, so our youngest is home at the moment because she just took a job with Delta. And so she's home at the moment. Fun. And, you know, everyone is used to cabinets being stocked and like, I am so insane that like, I actually put meals and individual like containers for everybody in the like fridge to prep. pull out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it's always been. And I opened the refrigerator a couple of weeks ago. It's probably like a month after we'd opened and it was empty. Mm-hmm. Like my husband can't boil water, let alone go to the grocery store. <laughs> and I opened the refrigerator and I just was like, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing for anybody to eat. 
And that's never the way our house has run. And I had seen that they had had Uber Eats the night before, which we never do. Mm. Even during COVID, we never ordered Uber Eats. So that's just not our family. So I like cried and said, I'm not, this isn't worth it. I'm not doing right. I'm like a mess. (laughs) And then I had to like, and it it stayed with me, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think the thing that has really kept me sane through this entire growing process is that I already had my great habits. Right. I already had my fitness plan and I never deviate from that. And I, I will do it before I get on a plane. If it Mm. means I have to wake up two hours early, it's a non-negotiable and that's already been a part of me. So that has continued. My eating has pretty much always been stable and I have that down to a science. So that my nutrition is portable and is nourishing and has kind of guided me through this very stressful period. I do, I, you know, when people say when they work for themselves, they've never worked harder and you kind of like chuckle and you don't really understand what that means Mm -hmm. until you Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you work for somebody else, you don't really care how many times you change your gloves because you're not paying for the gloves, right? right? Like staying up at night, looking for different glove prices, you realize (laughs) that like either you've hit rock bottom or this is really exciting. You know, you have to look at it one way or the other. And I've seen it both ways. One time it's felt like rock bottom and it's also felt really exciting. So, um, it's been a lot of late nights, a lot of like trying to still show up for my family and then doing things late at night. It's, um, being humble to know the things that I don't know and Mm. asking for help. Mm. And people have been amazing. Um, and it's been, I think just being flexible Mm -hmm. and realizing that you may have to pivot a little bit, like changing Esrati Integrative Aesthetics to EIA. Right. It was a pivot and it was the right thing to do. And so just trying to stay fluid in the moment and then just delivering the best care to whoever walks through my door. Right. Um, and being a hundred percent present for them, whether they're just there for a little bit of Botox or whether they're for a lifestyle change. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I'm a little bit of an industry disruptor because I really preach about like, you need to know who your provider is. You need to know what their educational skills are. You need to know if they're doing continuing education. Like just because somebody can do Botox and filler doesn't mean they're qualified, right? Right. And people don't like me to talk about that, but it is the truth. Yeah. And it needs to be a little bit more known. And I always say like, you don't have to come to me. I can guide you to somebody that I think is fantastic who I would go to. Right, like right. it doesn't have to be me, but do your homework right. and go see someone that's qualified because everything has consequences and you don't want to find yourself in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. So I know it can be a little more expensive, but there's you know there's a reason why things are cheap and right. it's usually because they're not legitimate. Right. They're not, um, they're not training people. Like I think I've spent $40,000 this year on continuing education. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Only, only halfway through. It's a lot. But it's because I believe in it. Yeah. And then I do everything in my office for safety. Like I use certain cannulas over needles mm. when I'm doing certain procedures. There's certain procedures that I absolutely will not do because of safety reasons. Mm. I will send them to somebody else. Like I don't fill people's noses. Mm. There's a risk of blindness and oh, wow. it's the highest area for bron- exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that. And so I have a lot of good friends that are plastic surgeons. And if the plastic surgeons are not willing to do it, I sure as hell am not going to do it. <laughs> so I always say like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, like yeah. There, if somebody else wants to put filler in your nose, that's fine. 
but a lot of well-refected plastic surgeons that I know don't do it, so I'm not doing it. Right. I don't want anybody going blind in my office. Right. Not interested in that. For sure. Right. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So these things all have consequences and risks. So like if it's not me, that's perfectly fine. But do your homework. Find a great provider. Find someone that you trust and that you can walk through this with. Yeah. And I always tell people this. I'm like, try to stick with one person because I can look at people and tell that they go to different injectors. I can look at their face and see. Yes. So stick with one person. Yeah. If you have to be like, you know, I wasn't super happy with this one thing, but work through it with them if mm. you can. Because when you go to people for different things, you start to look really weird. Mm. So um, find somebody you like and trust. Stick with them. Yeah. Work through it. Ask questions. Ask questions. <laughs> you know, really dig into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's the, that's the biggest thing I want people to know. And then I also want to like – really find a way to um, be more collaborative in the space. Sure. There's a lot of like, if I send my patient to you for weight loss and you do injectables and I'm an injector, are you going to take my patient? Right. Like, no, I would right. ne- I would never do that. I could understand how there might be shady people that would do that. Right. But like, there, there's a lack of collaboration in the space. Mm. And that I think has people do things that are outside of their wheelhouse. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't want to lose that, that desperation. Exactly. Sort of thing. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I can do it all. Well, you you can't do yeah. it all, you know? And so referring things out, collaborating yeah. is important, right? And I would love to see more of that and less of, I'm going to do it all, even though I don't really know how to do it and not do it well, just right. because I don't want the patient to walk lose out of the room. that person. Right. 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 And that's the thing is I will never do something that I don't know. And I have been in medicine for 25 years. I have phone numbers of people all over the country that are way smarter than me mm-hmm. that I call on a regular basis of like, hey, what would you do with this? Or what would you add? Or do you think that this filler would be the right one? Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know, like yeah. reach out. Wow. Um so yeah. So wow, what an incredible story. The story. And I mean, you either went, you know, when, when something like that happens in your life and you're faced with a decision, right? You either kind of just do what you have always done because it's easy. Yes. Or you pivot and you do something that is more fulfilling, even though it's hard as shit. Yes. And it's going to be hard for, you yeah. know, years to come. Obviously, you probably have like good moments and bad moments yes. like any business owner, but you're actually truly doing something to change and help people and to make a difference. And like, if you can, you know, in any sort of business or anything you decide to do, if you can really hone in on your why, Mm -hmm. why are you doing it? And if there's an emotional connection to that, then it will be worth it. Exactly. You're exactly right. And I try to be very honest and you know, the world is so full of like fake, fake mm-hmm. filters and all of that, that like it is hard. And yeah. I do feel like a failure some days, either as a wife or a mom or a business owner, or even as a clinician, sure. like when my patients come in and, and their Botox doesn't look perfect, then yeah. I, I don't like that either. Right, and I'm right. really hard on myself. Yeah. And I think it's important for us, especially as women to share that it's not all beautiful, right. right? This stuff is hard and we do feel torn and we do feel sometimes that we're not enough. And like I talked about feeling worthy, like there's a piece of me that will always feel like I'm not worthy of this. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, people will be like, oh, but you own your own business. I'm like, I know. And, and there's a piece of me that feels unworthy of that, mm-hmm. even though I know I've worked really hard for it. And I think sharing and the way that you're doing it so beautifully in these podcasts is important because 
you're not alone on an island mm-hmm. and finding people that you can really talk to about that and be honest yeah. and say like, today sucked. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was really hard. And I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Right. Like right. it would be so much easier to go back and not care what gloves cost. Yeah. You know, but, and then have someone say, I hear you. Right. I I'm, see you. I, I see you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And cause sometimes like, you know, your spouse is always like, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. Sometimes you want someone to be like, I hear you. Yeah. It's really hard. Or just somebody to be like, wow, that sucks. Exactly. You know? And not always just the cheerleader. Right. Like, just. Right. And I don't right. want to commiserate, but I just need somebody to be like, that freaking sucks. Uh-huh. You know? It's exactly. Like, um, we have a, uh, I work with somebody who was recently diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. And all I said to her, like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, that fucking sucks. Exactly. And that's the perfect thing And she's thing like, that's exactly what I thought. And it's like, again, that's the biggest reason why I started this podcast. There's so many people that aren't ready to talk. Right. There's so many people that don't even know where to go or what. But if you can just listen, if at least you can hear that there are other people in the world that have been through something you've been through mm-hmm. or are going through it right now and have mm-hmm. come out of it. Yes. Right. And hear what works for them mm-hmm. and take those bits and pieces. And you may never step a foot into a therapist office. And that's okay. If you're never ready to tell your story, that's okay. But having a platform like this Mm -hmm. where I can share other people's stories is the biggest blessing because I wish I had had this at my worst. Right. To just be like, okay, I'm not alone and I'm not crazy. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I have, I have a weight loss client that sees me every week and she came in this Monday and I could tell something was off and her mom is very ill Mm -hmm. and has dementia and is now kind of in the last stages. Mm -hmm. And so for those 45 minutes, we didn't talk about weight loss. We just talked about her mom. Yeah. And I hugged her and I said, this was on the house. And that's where I feel so proud of EIA because it is that place, right? She'll be back next week and we'll talk weight loss and she'll pay She'll be a patient forever because of that. But I am at the end of the day, a woman, a mom, Mm -hmm. a wife, a clinician, and a friend. And I want to be that person. And so we talked about her mom. She got to cry. I got to cry and it was great. And so I commend you and thank you for doing this because it's really important. Life is hard and it's not always beautiful. And if you can find the beauty in the difficult times, I think it's great. And I think the way that you highlight people's stories is just really wonderful. I appreciate that. So thank you for a lot. We didn't even really touch (laughs) on the fact that about about you being a wife and a mom, but you have what, two kids? <laughs> three. Right? Three kids. Three. And they're and in and out and they're wonderful. Yeah. One, is, one is in New York. Okay. He is an investment banker. Okay. One is, she kind of followed in her dad's footsteps. She is an anesthetist, which wow. is an anesthesia assistant. Yep. 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 And she's in Washington. Good for her. And her baby is working for Delta. And we're so cool. trying to figure out why the flights keep getting canceled. And she has no more inside information. She's like, what am I walking into? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but we need her. We I know. need more people I'm there. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Why are the yeah. flights? She's yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. So um, yes. And then um, my sweet husband is a great, great support system. And wow. I'm very, very fortunate. So, well, yes. I'm glad that you reached out. You literally you. sent me a message. And I, I rarely check my podcast account, which I need to do more often. But I'm so glad that we connected. I'm so glad that you're in my life now. And I'm excited to see where your future 
goes and how you grow. So we can find you on your website. Like we talked about I'll yes. put that in the notes and then your Instagram is. Yeah. So, and that goes back to Emily. I'll give yeah, Emily another yeah. perk. I think so we need to get Emily on we the do, show. You do need okay. to get Emily okay. on, the show. Get her on she's, the show. She's wonderful. Okay. Um, so I am Daniela Esrati Aesthetics and okay. that's where you'll see all of the aesthetic stuff. And then you'll also see my crazy life. There you go. So I share everything on there. The good, the bad, the ugly, like same. Yeah. And then <laughs> she was like, okay, we probably need to do a little bit more of a formal. Business yeah. Side. So yeah. she yeah. set up the EIA. It's EIA aesthetics. And you can go and look at mine and look at EIA aesthetics and you will know immediately that she is all over that because it's it. beautiful. It's color coordinated. It's not messy and it's, it's gorgeous. So Perfect. she helps me with that. And I, it's wonderful. Mine is a mess. Like it is, it is everything from like me dancing around in a bikini to like cooking dinner to then like a beautiful picture of like a face I did that day at work. But it's a mess. That's life. So it's a beautiful mess. Yeah. So you follow, know? Uh, sometimes I talk like in the car, you know, whatever. So just, same, same. Yeah. Follow along. And then if you want like the pretty stuff, go to EI Aesthetics. There you go. And <laughs> yes. then the website's there if you want to book a consult. Yes. And you can book everything online or you all can call the, the done www.eiaesthetics.com. Yes. Thank you, Danielle. Thank this you, was amazing. Megan. You're welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests. And then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.